I have to have a picture with this on to uh, post on Facebook for my students. These are the gifts they give me to remind me of Nepal. So a couple of caveats. <clears throat> You've heard the expression, lights on, nobody's home. <laughs> That's what we're kind of faced with today. Or as I told Mark, I'm operating on one cylinder. I got back last night, and Nepal's about uh, 12 hours out of sequence with us. And so it's pretty disorienting. In fact, uh, Mark went over the whole service with me last night. And Mark, I have to confess, I don't remember a thing. <laughs> so I'm going to be looking at you all day. <laughs> what am I supposed to do next, Mark? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome to your world. Welcome to Nancy's world. <laughs> it's great to be back. Thanks for praying for me. Thanks for sending me. Um, it was a very good time. I landed a week ago uh, yesterday. I landed about 8.30 in Kathmandu. By the time I cleared customs, it was around 9.30. So they picked me up and drove me straight to the church at 10 o'clock so I could preach. So I went there and preached, and that's just the way they do it in Nepal. As they said on the way there, they apologize every time. We're taking you to the church so you could preach. We hope you're okay with that, but that's the Nepali way. The Holy Spirit will strengthen you. So I come back last night and I'm preaching here, so this is good. You know, today is um, today's a very exciting day. It's one of the most exciting days, I think, of in the life of the church. Anytime we stop and celebrate our missionaries and our outreach ministries and the things that we do here, that is very exciting. Um, in fact, I can't really think of anything more exciting than that. That's what I live for. I'm going to read to you a couple of passages, which you've heard before, and then I'm going to show you a very short presentation. This is out of Genesis 12. The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. All the peoples on the earth, all the nations will be blessed through you. We've been in Ephesians, and we've been talking about waking the dead, what happens when the dead wake up. And we've talked about one of the things that happened is we become a blessing to the nations. We are all here today, and that's evidence that God has fulfilled his promise to Abraham. Because he had all these nations on the earth, none of which were walking with him, and he selected one, Abraham, to reach the rest of them. So the fact that we are all sitting here today is a testimony to God's faithfulness. It's a wonderful thing. And whenever we get a chance to have our missionaries present with us, that's an exciting thing. That's even beyond that. Because these are folks that we help, folks that we support, we pray for, we encourage um, to, to do this full time. And as Mark said, thank you, Mark, for the children's sermon. He asked me if I wanted to do it. And I said, I'm not even sure if I'll know which way's up. So uh, it was good. Thanks for highlighting the fact that all of us become a blessing to the nations. Some of us get paid full time to do it pastors, missionaries, but all of us do that. Now listen to the New Testament version of what I just read you. This is out of Galatians chapter 3. So Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. And here's the gospel. All the nations will be blessed through you. All the nations will be blessed through you. That's the gospel. When I was in Nepal, I asked the class, I had about, I don't know, 
I didn't even count them, 50 or 60 students. How many different ethnic groups were represented? And there were 14 different ethnic groups represented. Uh, not counting me, I made 15. <laughs> all the nations will be blessed. That's what we as a church are about. I think all of you know John 3.16, for God so loved the, the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And that's what we are about. That's our fundamental mission as a church, is to uh, carry out God's mission. I want to show you just a couple of pictures from Nepal, um, only because I want to use Nepal as an illustration. Sometimes it's hard for us to grasp the, the uh, power of the gospel, um, and it's hard for us to make sense of what the gospel means in our own culture because we live in this culture. And so it's hard for us to understand the differences between where the gospel starts and where the world, you know, where, where we're separated from that. When I travel to another country, it's much easier to see it because I'm in a country and their values are very different than ours. So let's talk about Nepal just for a moment, just to give you an update of kind of what people are there. Go ahead, Tom. The... Um, uh, it's between China and India. To the west, on the left side, would be Pakistan. To the north would be China and Tibet. And yes, it is the home of Mount Everest, the biggest mountain, tallest mountain in the world. You can't see it from Kathmandu because of the pollution. It's just too much. But when you fly on the airplane about 30 minutes out, you can see it. It actually is a very massive mountain. And um, go to the next slide. The breakdown religious-wise is there's 29 million people of 81% of them are Hindu and 11% are um, Buddhist. Less than 1% are Christian. About six or seven, eight years ago, they deposed their king, and so that kind of opened the way for Christianity to come. We've actually been working there for 20 years. I've been there for the last seven. And my role is I go in and teach at a Bible college. I teach my students are almost all recent converts from Hinduism or Buddhism, which means that this is a completely foreign book to them. They didn't grow up with it. Most of them have never read it. They don't understand what Christianity is about. They just know that they believe in Jesus. And they're different now than all of their friends. So they come to learn about Jesus. And so when we start in on teaching them, this is all brand new material. They've not heard it. They come out of a world that's very, very different. So Hinduism. Tom, go to the next slide. We'll show them some of the pictures. Hinduism is a, um, it's a, my personal opinion, it is not as peaceful as they say it is. It's not all about harmony and peace, neither is Buddhism. It's actually a very nasty religion. It breeds just this horrendous uh, discrimination because of the caste system. And so the people that are there, you can't see it, I don't know if you can see it very well, but what you're looking at is a Hindu temple. You're going to see a video in just a second. But these are people that are lined up to make an offering. And depending on, their, um, depending on where they are kind of in the cycle of the year, they either offer an animal so sacrifice or a plant or food or something. And they're just lined up. And you, if you could see the line, you would see the line goes for blocks and blocks. They come in to make this offering. They, uh, they worship gods that do not exist. That's hard for us to see in our country because we only think of one God. The truth is we have many gods in our country, too. They're just not little stones sitting on the street corner. When you walk down the road in Nepal, you'll see everywhere you go, there's little street corners. Somebody falls, and they accidentally fall, but they don't break their leg. There must be a God there, and they set up a stone, and it becomes memorialized, and you can't tear it down. So they're everywhere. That's why Hinduism has 334 million gods. 
Our gods aren't so obvious, but they're still there, aren't they? Aren't they there in the form of money, and passion, entertainment, things like that? Anything that detracts us from the Lord. Go to the next slide. <clears throat> so these people truly are without hope. And I think one of the questions that I, I think our missionaries out there, as soon as we're done, would love if you answered, if you asked them, because they love to talk about it, is how does your ministry bless the nations? You notice we framed it right now in terms of blessing the nations. And I think it's a question we should ask you. How does your ministry bless the nations? The people here at DCC. Because all of you are involved in some kind of ministry, whether it's working with the children, serving communion, maybe it's outside the church, working with benevolence. But how does what you do bless the nations? And give the missionaries a chance. I think you'd love to answer that question, wouldn't you? Give them a chance to answer the question of how does your ministry bless the nations? All right, I want you to see a video. It's on the next slide. In fact, just skip on. Well, you know, you can't see this very well, but if you look at the picture on the left, I actually took that because uh, right down the center is a little red streak pouring out of the concrete. That's the blood from all the animal sacrifices. It just pours right into the river. All right, now go to the next one and show them this video. All you hear is this music in the background and everybody's standing there. No hope. Hopeless, I should say. Eyes are vacant. They go there to make these offerings. They desire to appease the gods because they don't want the gods angry with them. In this context, the gospel is very powerful. Let's talk about Buddhism just for a second. I have often thought that Buddhism is a religion of, I have often been told that Buddhism is a religion of peace. Um, and yet, I have, I have yet to find a Buddhist that has done anything to really help peace out. When they say peace, what they're thinking about is really emptiness. It's a process of emptying yourself of everything that the world has to offer. On the left, those are some of their gods. Um, this is a Buddhist temple. It's all about internal peace, which really means um, nothingness. How different than Christianity. If Hinduism practices a caste system and discrimination, we practice loving each person and treating them equally. Buddhism is about emptying yourself so there's nothing there. How different than Christianity. If there's anything good, if there's anything right, you know the list out of Proverbs, think about these things. We want to fill our mind with good things, not try to empty our mind. Okay, now show the next video. This is what their Buddhist monks do. Hopeless. Without life. The Buddhist monks are in the orange garb. They'll bow seven times. As soon as they're done, they'll get up and walk around the core of the temple. And then when they're done walking around, they bow and chant again, and that's their life. How empty life is. What do we do as Christians? We love people. We get out into the world, don't we? We become a blessing to the nations. So a second question, which we've already passed by, is ask our missionaries what their ministry does to bring Jesus to whoever it is they're talking to. Whether it's here, whether it's abroad, it doesn't matter. Wherever they happen to be, it doesn't matter what age group. 
How does their ministry represent Jesus to a broken world? Because that is what our purpose is about, isn't it, as a church? Okay, now contrast this with the church and Nepal. Look at the next slide. I just put that picture up there for proof that I wasn't in Hawaii. (laughs) Ruben, my translator, um, was the second son of a Buddhist monk. And as the second son of a Buddhist monk, he got dedicated to the temple. That's where he was raised until 13 when he came to know the Lord. And um, he came to know the Lord and the Buddhist monks soon began to realize that he was different than they were. He had life. He laughed. He had hope. He didn't understand the difference between uh, Christianity and Buddhism, and they began to ask him questions, and he just told them about Jesus and uh, thought that that was a wonderful thing, and they kicked him out of the temple. In the process of kicking him out of the temple, he, um, his father, his parents lost all their land because the land was given to them by, the, uh, Buddhist, by Buddhism, the temple, and so since he had broken the line, they lost their land, had to give up their house. And so they did the smart thing. They kicked him out. <laughs> so he's 13 and homeless. And uh, has a fascinating story of how the Lord took care of him. He uh, translates for me every time I go over. We're very good friends. Just a good guy. Now, I'm going to show you a video. The next one. This is the last video of Christianity. Compare this to what you just saw in the Buddhist temple and the Hindu temple. Two groups that actually have no, have, that are hopeless. If you could be there and see their eyes up close and personal, you would see there's just nothing there. They're just trying to make the gods happy. Now look at the Christians in Nepal. You'll recognize the song. time to worship in the church, they race to the front to see who can get started. If the guitarist makes it up front, he sets the tone. If the vocalist makes it up front, the vocalist sets the tone, and all the instruments have to find whatever key they're in. And on Sunday, they were singing in one key, and the instruments were in another key, and they didn't care. And then they cranked the volume full blast. That's why it's so distorted, because they want to sing as loud as they can, because they open all the windows, and they want all the Hindus around them to hear. So they sing as loud as they can. You'll see them often, the whole group doing this. See the difference? Hope. They have life, they have hope. Sometimes I think it's, I know in my life, it's easy to forget how important it is that we serve the one true living God. Let's don't ever forget that. Don't be ashamed of the gospel, for in it, Romans 16, is the power of God. You know what that means in the gospel? It's not in the words. Paul goes on for the rest of Romans and explains that We have a role to play, and that's living out the gospel. What we do matters. The way we live our lives makes a difference. Because it is through our lives that God reveals the truth, that he has visited our broken, hopeless world, and he has brought life. What we do matters. These aren't just commands that hopefully we obey them, if not. No, no, it matters. 
If we know how to love people, then we have a message to a world that doesn't understand love. If we know how to, to express our unity, our commitment to one another, then we have a voice to a world that doesn't understand that. If we know how to keep our marriages together, we model that, then we have a voice to a world where, where they don't know what it's like to have marriages stay together. You understand? What we do makes sense. So when you see the missionaries, think about those questions. What do you do that blesses the world? They would love to tell you that. How does what you do share Christ to a broken world? And then the last one is, how do we encourage believers? Because it is our responsibility, right, to encourage each other. And our, you're going to find our missionaries each have very different answers to those questions. I've already walked around and kind of looked through all their stuff, and I know their answers are going to be very different. But they're all doing the same thing. We serve the one true living God. Let's don't forget that. Let's don't be ashamed of the gospel. Let me pray and then uh, offering. Thank you. Father, thank you, for, uh, thank you for bringing life to us. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son to us, for visiting our broken planet, and for working to redeem this world, Lord. We are so grateful for your love and your sacrifice. Jesus, thank you for your willingness to climb up on that cross and go through what you went through to die for us. We are grateful for that. Father, help us to be a people that is a blessing to the nations. Help us to be a people, Lord, that, that shares your son Jesus with this lost and broken world. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to prepare Summit County for our church. And then help us, Lord, to fulfill that. We pray these things in your son's name, Jesus, because we believe in him. Amen. Good work. Okay, while you're sitting right there, ushers, you can come down if you want to. But uh, right now, let's do this. He came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. All right, that's, uh, that's what they were just singing. I don't know if you recognize that or not. It's awesome. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to collect an offering right now, and uh, we'll sing as the ushers are collecting that offering. We actually use this money that you give as part of the process to support the missionaries, support the work, to be a part of the process in uh, just spreading the gospel throughout the world. And some of it is just right here in our backyard, in our food bank and benevolence ministry and other types of things. But this is an opportunity for you to give to all of those things. And uh, let's sing this. Let's see. Where are we? Your name? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, just... <laughs> oh, Lord. Your heart and glorify. 
put a little energy, but also it just it just says what it's about. We're all gathered. We're one voice. We're one song. We take that in unity. That's what Jesus said would make the difference, would be to uh, be unified. And uh, following this, we'll all sit back down and we'll have the time of communion following that. So. Sorrows bearing up a 
patience. Thanks. You can be seated. Ushers, elders, those who are going to help serve the communion, if you would. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to get together. Um, help us as we meet the missionaries. We did not bring them up here and uh, interview them or describe them or talk with them this morning yet. That gives us an even better opportunity to go to every table to meet every missionary. What in the world is Bill Hansberger doing with Haven Ministries? That's exciting. What's going on for the Prestrudes as they're in transition? How can Max and Alyssa use our help here with Snowboarders for Christ? Um, So many different opportunities we have, Bill and Alicia, others. Lord, help us to be excited as we go to meet and greet and also enjoy each other's time here. Uh, Thanks for this great celebration today. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.